whatever transpired. Rhaenyra is not innocent. Only because Damon tried to corrupt her. Damon and Rhaenyra share the blood of the dragon. They are restless and chaotic. Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here. And you know, much of the allure of House Targaryen has to do with passion and this idea of a person whose blood runs hot, whether they are fighting or flirting. Oh, yeah, you thought I was going to say a different F word, but of course... You know what I mean. Everyone loves a story character who's connected to their passions, right? Someone who takes daring risks and heeds the call to adventure. We talk about heroes and villains a lot, and often what makes these characters worth writing about is the way they stir things up. You need action in a story and intrigue, of course, and there's nothing quite like a character in the grips of their passions to get some of this good story stuff going. And boy, did we ever get things going this week. Uh, Damon and Rhaenyra stirred up all kinds of drama, both in the story and in the comments section of Sunday's post-game breakdown livestream, oh yes. And as usual, House of the Dragon utilized visual storytelling and symbolism to great effect. That's right, clearly this episode is all about symbolism, so if you guys could just cut that out a little, could you just put some clothes back on there? Okay, all right. We'll get this video started and get into just what these restless, chaotic dragon lords have been up to in what is, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, the best episode of House of the Dragon so far. Rhaenyra's necklace has been an important symbol on the show so far. In fact, it's used as Rhaenyra's symbol in the opening intro sequence. It's made of Valyrian steel, just like Daemon's sword, Dark Sister. And when Daemon gave it to Rhaenyra in one of the most electric scenes of the first episode, he talked about it representing their shared Valyrian heritage, just as their frequent use of the high Valyrian language does. <laughs> So, when episode 4 opens with a close-up of Rhaenyra playing with a necklace as she listens to the not-very-impressive sales pitches of a long list of inadequate suitors, we know what that means. It means she's thinking of Damon. And unfortunately for Rhaenyra's would-be suitors, that's where the bar is set. At Rogue Prince, Dragonlord, Daemon Targaryen level. Anyone short of this standard just really isn't going to impress Rhaenyra, and let me tell you, there are no rogue princes in this audience. Although we do have to say, Daemon would have been proud of young Lord Blackwood, who defended his honor with steel when that bracken lad popped off at the mouth in front of all the assembled lords and ladies. What y'all don't realize is that young Lord Blackwood is actually an expert swordsman, and he in fact suckered the ancient enemy of his house into that duel, just like Woody Harrelson playing the ringer in White Men Can't Jump. Well played, lad. Well played. But can you hear Jimmy? Y'all can't hear Jimmy. You, 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 you listen. So yeah, none of these suitors are suitable, despite the fact that Rhaenyra is still failing at using her courtship to play politics and build alliances, or at the very least, to just not be rude to people. She is right that this parade of green boys and graybeards simply doesn't cut it. And as Rhaenyra is sailing back to King's Landing and discussing this fact with Sir Criston, her sworn sword and personal protector, in swoops Damon. like, yeah, none of these bozos have what it takes. Oh my god, look, it's Damon, the dragon lord. Watch out, everyone. 
Now, there's a nice bit of visual storytelling here in the fact that Damon strafing the ship with Caraxes actually put everyone on board in danger, including Rhaenyra. It is pretty easy to die on a ship if you aren't braced properly at the wrong moment, and the sudden rocking of the ship sends Rhaenyra flying into the wooden railing where she hits her head. She's not badly hurt, but she could have been. And yet she smiles at Damon's antics and waves off medical attention. The show is definitely telling us that falling in with Damon could get you hurt, and if of course, that's foreshadowing for later in the episode. Rhaenyra, meanwhile, could be thinking that it's actually some kind of omen that she and Damon should, seemingly by chance, return to King's Landing on the same day, at the same time, and only because she cut short her unsuitable Sudor tour. Yeah. More visual storytelling comes as Rhaenyra, sliding through the audience in the throne room, matches pace with Damon as he stalks down the center aisle and up to the Iron Throne. You can sense her excitement and the fact that it's probably not even possible for anyone else to capture her attention the way Damon does. That was also spotlighted earlier when the soon-to-be-dead Bracken boy pointed out that Rhaenyra has a dragon and doesn't really need a man to protect her. Oh yes, and Rhaenyra's coat here just might be knocking Viserys's fab coat out of the top spot for best Targaryen garment that will probably be sold on Etsy soon. Just look at that thing. Now, there were a lot of good lines and dialogue this week, but perhaps my favorite was Damon's Add it to the chair. Said as he plunked the crab feeder's crucifixion hammer down on the stone floor of the throne room. You also gotta love the way Viserys looked at Damon's crown of driftwood and crab claws like it was something totally random that his dog just dragged out of the woods and dropped at his feet. Here, Frank, is your name Frank? Take this and uh, put it in a very special place. Yeah, that's it. Jumping forward to the Weirwood Garden Party, we have a fart joke. Not a joke about farting, but literally a joke that Viserys punctuates with a well-timed fart and a giggle. Perhaps Prince Damon would care for a tour of the gallery. He hasn't yet seen the new tapestries gifted to you by Norris and Cahors. Would you like to see the tapestry? <laughs> <laughs> They're joking about Alicent wanting to show Damon the new tapestries, but we know what kind of art that they like to hang on the walls in the Red Keep, so... Just what is Alicent proposing here? Check out the one in Alicent's room. I mean, geez, how do you sleep underneath that monster? I mean, the dragon. The dragon is the monster. Uh, yeah, Any anyway, from now on, we're just going to call any sort of hanky-panky on the show going to look at the tapestries, all right? Kind of like the way Renly and Loris used going to pray together in the Sept. It's a joke about kneeling. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not reading the comments on this video. So after the party thins out a bit, too many of Viserys's fart jokes, you see. Damon and Rhaenyra get to flirting in High Valyrian, which is what we all came to see, of course. As Rhaenyra fishes about why Damon's really come back to King's Landing, not just to annoy Viserys, surely. Damon just smiles, gives her a quick look up and down, and reaches out to grab her necklace, as if to say, you've been waiting for me, haven't you? The necklace can be used to say so much without words, precisely because of all the meaning that's been built up around it through the previous three and a half episodes, which is, of course, great storytelling. So then we get to the heart of the matter, at least for this episode, the tension between the restless and chaotic dragon nature of some Targaryens versus the constraints of political marriages and political expectations. And really, we could just call it basic human nature versus the constraints of political expectations. But we're talking about the dragons and how they're wild and chaotic, so bear with me. 
Now, Damon resolves this tension by simply doing whatever he wants and then just sort of living with the consequences, saying that this is a tragic world and that you can't live your life in fear or you'll forsake the best parts of it. Now, that's a fine philosophy as far as it goes, but Damon is obviously taking it too far. Get a fuck what some lord thinks. You are the dragon. Your word is truth and law. I have spent a lifetime defending you. But your heart is even blacker than I thought. To the point where he doesn't seem to even consider or care about the consequences that his actions have for other people. For example, he didn't think about the consequences for Mysaria when he lied about her being pregnant and having stolen the dragon's egg for their imaginary child. And he didn't think about the consequences to the morale of his men when he beat the living tar out of an innocent messenger, or when he made battle plans based on his ego and emotion. Most of all, in this episode, Damon is careless of the consequences to Rhaenyra for everything that they're doing on their exciting night out in King's Landing. It seems that his plan was to expose her hair right outside the brothel where lots of people can see her, thus creating rumors that would sully her reputation and, in turn, convince Viserys to give Rhaenyra's hand to Damon in marriage because no one else will take her now. And yes, we can stop to roll our eyes at the concept of virginity, absolutely. I went to an overly prude Christian school in Virginia, so I can definitely make fun of virginity. All right. Now, we can know that this was Damon's plan, I think, because of the way that he was so prepared with his sales pitch to Viserys in the throne room, even though he was so badly hung over that he couldn't even pick himself up off the floor. And notice that Damon says, give Rhaenyra to me, right after Viserys says that he should disinherit Rhaenyra. That was a very logical reaction to anticipate from Viserys. So we can say that not only was Damon trying to sully Rhaenyra's reputation in order to gain her hand in marriage, he was also risking her status as heir to the throne. Now that actually might be doing her a favor in the long run, but you know, you might want to ask her first. Yeah. So in the brothel scene itself, Damon continues espousing the do-whatever-you-want dragon philosophy. And in fact, when Rhaenyra asks, What is this place? Damon responds, It's where people come to take what they want. Now, I do want to be clear. There are two parts to what Damon is saying throughout the scene. And one of them is very positive. Sex positive, that is. As Damon talks about how sex should be pleasurable for the man and the woman. And as the scene cuts back to Alicent sort of disassociating in bed with Viserys, we get the feeling that nobody has ever told Alicent that sexual pleasure is supposed to be mutual. It seems like she's been brought up to think that she's doing her duty here in this very intentionally uncomfortable scene. Trapped in a castle and forced to pop out airs, as Rhaenyra said earlier. This is what that looks like, and what Rhaenyra is running from in part. So as far as the sex-positive message goes, that's all well and good, and bravo for the equal opportunity orgy in the background that isn't afraid to show men with men, and women with women, and everyone with everyone, for that matter. This is basically a Targaryen fresco come to life, although the only dragons here are Daemon and Rhaenyra. The chemistry between these two has been palpable from the first episode, and the intensity of this scene is frankly unlike anything in Game of Thrones. But most importantly, this scene and all the sex 
sex scenes in this episode, in fact, are being used for storytelling and not shock factor. The camera shots are all focused on Rhaenyra's experience in the brothel scene because that's whose story is being told here, primarily. This is about Rhaenyra's sexual exploration and about her exploration of Damon's take-what-you-want philosophy. And that, of course, is the other side to what Damon is trying to tell and show Rhaenyra. Sex positivity is one thing, but reckless behavior without regard to consequences, both for yourself and for others, is quite another, of course, especially for a high lord, prince, king, or queen. So let me just say this. The characters in this story are essentially caught between passion and duty. On one hand, Rhaenyra is a somewhat repressed 18-year-old who's finally getting to explore who she is and what she wants, which we of course sympathize with and relate to. But on the other hand, she's also the heir to the throne and someone who wants to be the first High Queen of Westeros. Thus, we also have to consider her actions in that light, especially because that's how her actions will be viewed by the characters in the story. And it is from her status as heir that any potential consequences will flow. It's pretty much the same in Rhaenyra's subsequent love scene with Sir Kristen Cole. On one hand, it's a very serious scene, which in my opinion is laced with the palpable sadness of watching Sir Kristen surrender his honor as he breaks his Kingsguard vows. This hesitation shot on him folding his white cloak over the chair felt like it lasted about 10 minutes, and his expression is very solemn, conflicted, and potentially guilt-ridden as he allows Rhaenyra to take off his armor. But then we see him commit to his decision turn and embrace Rhaenyra, and so we can also see this as a scene between two young people who've been developing feelings for each other for years, and who are finally acting on them. You can also understand why Rhaenyra might feel safe with Sir Criston to have her first real sexual experience with, especially after being abandoned in a brothel by Damon, who, by the way, seems to have been unable to complete his act due to his own guilt and his loss of control in the situation, according to the inside the episode. So getting back to the Criston and Rhaenyra scene, I do have to say that some of the discourse around agency and consent with this scene has completely jumped the shark. And I'm being dead serious here. I mean, I think it's clear that Sir Kristen has full agency in this scene, simply because he had every chance to either walk away or to try to convince Rhaenyra that, you know, this wasn't a good idea. And because his vows literally required him to do that, both because he's sworn to celibacy and because he's supposed to protect the king's honor. Again, we the modern audience don't really think anything of virginity, but this is obviously putting both him and Rhaenyra in a dangerous situation. Sir Criston is definitely not sworn to be some sort of concubine for the royal family. Just the opposite, in fact. And part of his role as her personal protector is to talk her out of reckless behavior that could put her in danger. Earlier in the episode, we saw that Sir Kristen does have the rapport with Rhaenyra to be frank with her about her turning down all her suitors and cutting her trip short. So he definitely could have and should have insisted on saying no and talking about the consequences as opposed to just giving in. Sir Kristen gave in because he wanted to. He's been carrying a torch for Rhaenyra for years, as Ryan Condal said on the inside of the episode. Not because he didn't have a choice. So please, please. Now with that said, it's also true that it was very reckless of Rhaenyra to try to seduce Sir Criston when she knew it required him to break his Kingsguard vows. She seemingly didn't give any consideration to what effect that shame and guilt could have on him, or how it could damage the rest of their relationship, let alone to how much trouble it could cause if they should be found out. Sir Criston would likely face much more severe consequences than Rhaenyra, 
I mean, he might lose his head, or he might be gelded and sent to the wall like Sir Lucamore the Lusty. So this is the dark side of the big dragon energy philosophy that Damon is trying to impart to Rhaenyra. It's a mindset that allows you to treat other people as disposable playthings at times. And that's not to say that Rhaenyra doesn't care for Kristen to some extent, but yeah, she's really not appreciating the fact that this could mean his head. And yet, it's still kind of a cute scene with two young people who are clearly hot for each other. And we can also enjoy the fact that Rhaenyra is taking her pleasure, and the fact that that bed is probably a lot cleaner than any surface in that brothel. These are the things I think about. Apologies. King Viserys picking up the stag poop last episode was... Still fresh. Between two and three hours, Your Grace. Very hard for me to watch, and thank you in advance for your sympathy. Now, aside from watching poor Alicent in bed under the rotting King Viserys, one of the darkest moments of the episode was actually when Rhaenyra said, their wants are of no concern, in response to the crowd expressing reluctance to the idea of Rhaenyra taking the throne. Which is, of course, a toilet in this scene. I guess they've heard of Viserys' fart jokes. Now, to be fair to Rhaenyra, she's not saying that the wants of the people in general are of no concern, but rather she's specifically responding to the idea that a woman cannot sit the throne or be a good ruler. And that idea does deserve to be shat on. Rhaenyra. However, as Damon reminds her, the wants and the feelings of the people absolutely do matter if Rhaenyra wants to sit the throne, and here Damon's actually giving her better advice than anything Viserys has ever said to her on the show so far. This is really the heart of Rhaenyra's personal conflict at this point in her arc. If she wants to sit the throne, she has to start thinking like a politician and building support for her eventual ascension and rule. Even the wild and reckless Damon understands this to some extent. At the end of the day, even the dragons are less monstrous than a monarch who doesn't care about the people they're in charge of. So we'll definitely have to root for Rhaenyra to learn this lesson. Alright, so the last thing I'll say about this episode is that Damon has crafted this nighttime excursion experience for Rhaenyra precisely because he understands what she wants and doesn't have. Adventure and freedom. It's pretty much the exact opposite of listening to elderly Lord Dondarrion drone on and on about the view of the sea from the Dornish marches or whatever it was. A mysterious package with a disguise and a secret map. A hidden door in her room and a secret passageway out into the night. People have drawn comparisons to Aladdin or to Antony and Cleopatra, and I personally love the fact that she picks up the bundle and sniffs it, just so the audience knows that it's an extremely authentic street disguise, straight from the actual streets, with that real, 100% genuine flea-bottom smell. All right, folks, there's a lot more I'd like to talk about. Uh, the rats everywhere, which definitely indicate a maester conspiracy. The fact that Viserys is finally standing up and being king for once. And the fact that his Derek Zoolander school for Valerians who can't dream good seems to be expanding. Pretty soon there's not even going to be room in here to feed Viserys to the maggots. But yeah, I've got to keep this video contained in order to get it out by Wednesday, blotty, blotty, blotty. So do check out the post-game breakdown stream for more analysis and look out for another video on Friday or Saturday this week. Thank you very much for your service. The crown owes you a debt it can never repay. Now get out of my sight. Council is dismissed.